Hello, Revival Church. Uh, this is Andy. I am re-recording uh, the message that I gave on Sunday, the 22nd of January. And for those who uh, were not there, it was called uh, Silence, Silence and Solitude. And I said that um, we tend to use, or people that write about silence, tend to use silence and solitude together because they, they kind of go together. So I'm, I'm talking about both of those. So we live in a, a noisy world, as you are probably very, very aware. Uh, this was brought home to me um, last Saturday when it was my son Sam's birthday and we went to Jump Street. If you're not aware of Jump Street, Jump Street is a, a warehouse of chaos. It's basically a place where they have loads of trampolines and there's little kids running up and down all over the place and it's really noisy and Raj and I um, were trying to have a sort of a quiet cup of coffee um, to have a chat and all that sort of stuff and in these places they, they crank up the noise, uh, they make it incredibly um, busy, noisy, kids running everywhere and I just thought you know that kind of you know it's a bit of an extreme example but it kind of reflects our world. We live in an incredibly noisy world and sometimes we don't realize it um, but I I really realized it when it was that first lockdown do you remember the first lockdown and I know for many people COVID was awful but one of my one of my memories that I think I probably will always have was that first time when we could go out for like one walk in the day and I remember we went out as a family and we weren't allowed to drive and we just walked to the local field with the dog and it was eerily quiet it was ah the stillness that I I sensed and the sense that there were no cars no noise that background noise that's always there was not there and it was beautifully still and you could hear the birds and animals and all that sort of stuff it was just incredible so uh, that sort of brought home to me that wow we we live we swim in noise and we don't even realize it and just to say that noise and the Christian life, they don't really mix very well. Um, C.S. Lewis, uh, who was a famous Christian author, you probably would have heard of him. He wrote the Narnia series. He wrote a book called A Screwtape Letters, which was for his friend, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, The Lord of the Rings. And in this book, it was like a satire. It's basically a book about... Sounds dodgy but it was meant meant to be quite serious and it was a book about a a demon a senior demon called screw tape who was writing letters to his nephew basically about how to make christians really um shallow and for them to lose their salvation or not not really walk the christian life and how they can tempt and distract and all that sort of stuff well in this book at one point uh, screw tape calls the devil's realm a kingdom of noise Almost, I think C.S. Lewis is implying that one of the tactics and strategies is to keep Christians in a noisy, distracted world. Because if we're noisy and we're distracted, we're probably not going to develop a very good relationship with God. In addition to this, we have 24 hour, seven days a week access to the Internet. Microsoft ran a survey. Um, I don't know when, but they said they found out that 77% of young adults answered yes when asked when nothing is occupying your attention the first thing you do is reach for the phone 
there are millions and millions of dollars highly highly intelligent people sitting around tables in board meetings working out how to make the mobile phone uh, the most addictive it can be like they that iphone a home button or whatever button you have on your mobile phone is is it's designed to be highly highly accessible and highly highly addictive so that you spend as much time as possible on the phone and there is actually a new phobia apparently so i uh, understand it's called nomophobia so there's loads of phobias aren't there but this is the latest well one of the latest ones and it simply means no mobile phobia people panic when they can't see their mobile phone phone Ronan Rollheiser, who is a Roman Catholic writer, a very good Roman Catholic writer, said that Christians or people are distracting themselves into spiritual oblivion. By that, he simply means that we are so distracted that we are becoming void when it comes to our spiritual walk. Also, as charismatics, we do noise very well. I I'm a charismatic. I believe by that. I believe I, I believe that means that we um, as charismatics, if you are a charismatic, believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We we don't put the Holy Spirit central. That's Jesus. But uh, Holy Spirit is the Trinity that has sometimes been forgotten. And so our meetings can be quite loud. We we tend to have quite loud music. We tend to not do silence very well when you compare to other streams of Christianity like high Anglican churches or the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not knocking either of these things. I'm simply suggesting that our, our our services tend to be quite noisy. We pray quite noisy. I remember going to a charismatic prayer meeting when I went to a, a Christian college and uh, it was incredibly loud. Uh, and the idea it felt was to be as loud as possible so you could get heard so that you get the amens and high fives or whatever. And I sometimes think, and I do it as well. I sometimes, and sometimes it's passion, but sometimes I think we don't need to pray quite so loud. I think God can hear. So at no other, I just want to state this, at no other point do we need silence and solitude for our Christian walk. And this is all part of discipleship. And it's a discipline that has been practiced from the year dot. Uh, I think the early church definitely did it. You can write, a, you can read a lot about their practice of silence and solitude. And Jesus did. Jesus in Matthew 6, um, just before the Lord's Prayer, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus clearly practice solitude uh, Luke five nineteen. we read yet news about him spread all the more so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed I don't know about you but if I was being highly successful and if I was drawing a great crowd and lots of people being healed and saved and set free and delivered all that sort of stuff and my disciples were high-fiving each other because they were so excited. I think I would lap it all up. I think I'd stick around a little bit. Jesus often would withdraw, particularly at the pinnacle of his success. That's quite interesting, isn't it? I think we would do the opposite. And it says here that he would withdrew to a lonely place. And that, that's the word iramos, 
which can mean wilderness as in where Jesus was tempted. And it doesn't mean a, a desert. It means like a, a literally a lonely, quiet place, away from the crowd, silence, all that sort of stuff. Jesus often withdrew to be alone with his father. And there are many, many verses that you can read in the Gospels about that. Jesus also tended to um, pray short prayers. So the recorded prayers we have of Jesus tend to be quite short. There's only one exception, which is John 17. But generally, Jesus shouted commands. He said, be healed. He prayed short prayers to the father. And at the same time, we read that he spent all night in prayer. So a lot of Christian writers have just put the two and two together and said, well, if he prays, tends to pray quite short prayers, um, but spends a lot of time in prayer, we may assume that he prays a lot in silence. And the Psalms back this up as well. We read in the Psalms, particularly Psalm 46.10, which you may know, be still and know that I am God. Or Psalm 62, if you read the ESV version, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. So part of our discipleship is to get away from the hustle and bustle and be alone with God and practice the discipline of silence. And let me tell you, it is a discipline. It's not easy. But often the things that are the most profound are sometimes the most difficult. And we just need to learn to persevere a bit with it. And partly the reason why it's so difficult um, to pray without words, which is what really silence means in prayer, um, is just because we are so used to using words. And sometimes, obviously, words are really important. We have to ask for things. But there is perhaps the temptation to make prayer like a shopping list. And also, if you're anything like me, I tend to pray about the same thing over and over again in different ways. Now, we need to persevere in prayer. There's definitely a side of that. But sometimes my motive, if I really ask myself, is more that when I'm really anxious about something, I just want to make sure God has heard me. Right. And so I will babble on, as he said, like the pagans, saying it in different ways, partly to try and convince God, partly to make sure that he knows that I'm really serious about whatever situation I find myself in. And I would just say that think about it this way. Words are not a sign necessarily of belief, but of unbelief. If I'm using lots of words, is it that I'm putting more faith in my technique of prayer than than prayer itself, than actually my faith in God. And that's why I think Jesus often prayed short prayers. That shows tremendous faith. I don't need to pray loads and loads of different forms of prayer about the same thing. I can just say a quick short prayer because I believe it will be done because God is good. All right. So uh, the other thing also is that we tend to pray about what is most important to us. So many weeks ago when I think I talked about discipleship at the beginning I spoke about we uh, our biggest problem really is that we can have faith in God but we can also put our hope in something else in many things actually and one of the ways to discover whether we are getting our sense of worth our sense of purpose our sense of life from Jesus or whether it's from something else is sometimes look at what you're praying about if I, well, my temptation, if I confess, is perhaps to pray a lot about my children. 
And you could say, well, that's a good thing. And, and it is a really good thing. And I'm not knocking it. And my kids are very important as your children and grandchildren or friends or whatever are important to you or your career or money or whatever. These are all important. And God is interested in those things. But sometimes if we're just praying about the same thing over and over again, we have to ask ourselves the question, have I made that too important? Is that really actually running my life? Is that what I'm living for? Is that controlling me? If I pray about my children over and over again, am I getting too much of my life from that? And so we tend to pray our heart idols, the things in our heart that we are actually looking to. We may come to church, we may worship, we may pray, we may say, Jesus, you're my all. But actually, deep down, underneath all that, we're actually seeking something else. We may be saying to ourselves, I can't live without this. And so we make it our prayer over and over again. And that can be money, career, children, health, possessions, success, whatever, all those sort of things. Practicing silence and solitude separates us from those things. Because when I'm alone with God, when we're alone with God, we don't need to prove anything. He accepts us on the basis of Jesus Christ alone. There is no other situation in the whole on the whole planet where you can say, I am utterly accepted. You could say that about your loved ones, but often, if we're honest, love is based on something that we do, right? You know, like, I know my wife loves me and I love my wife, but that's still predicated a little bit on them being a certain way. God, by his grace, accepts us totally because it's not based on us, it's based on Jesus. And it's based on the sacrifice of Jesus and all that Jesus is, we are when God sees us because he sees us as perfect because he sees us in Christ. And therefore, the one place I can go to, you can go to on the whole of planet Earth is actually the place of being just alone with God, because that's one place if we develop this where we realise, my goodness, God utterly accepts me and then I'm utterly free to be myself. If I meet someone new for the first time, if I meet you, you, you for the first time or you meet someone for the first time, I don't know about you, but what goes in my head when I meet someone for the first time is all my insecurities come out sometimes. You know, am I am I interesting to listen to? Am I listening well enough to them? Um, am I standing too close to them? Am I standing too far away from them? Um, am I wearing the right stuff do I fit in do they accept me do they receive me do they like me all these sort of things going off in our minds because we you may not be but we tend to be insecure at times that's how I I roll anyway yet in developing a relationship with Jesus Christ and with the father I find that actually the more I do that the more I realize that is the one place where I don't have to put a mask on I don't have to pretend the psalms are all about that the psalms are raw David is like, I can be exactly who I truly am in front of God because he accepts me and he accepts us on the basis of Jesus Christ. And that's why practicing silence and solitude will actually be the one place where you start to withdraw from the things around us in the world that are always vying for our attention. So Dallas Willard says, solitude frees us. The normal course of day-to-day -day human interactions lock us into patterns of feeling, thought and action that are geared to a world set against God. So that's why I want to encourage you to practice silence and solitude. Why? Because it will draw us into a deeper relationship with God like nothing else. Even when I pray in, with God, you know, sometimes if I'm praying for things, there can be motives for that. When I'm sitting in silence, there is no motive because I'm not saying anything. I'm simply trying to be with him. African theologian St. Augustine said, 
entering sight, entering into silence is entering into joy. Who doesn't want a bit of joy? I'd like a bit of that. Dallas Willard again says this, solitude, well practiced, will break the power of busyness, haste, isolation and loneliness. Joy and peace will begin to bubble up within you. Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, a really good book on silence and solitude, says, as we begin to experience God's presence in solitude, we may find out our desire for God and the joy of being with him in this way to be a bit overwhelming. She said as she practiced and she had to persevere over and over again, she started to describe a sense of God's presence where she just didn't want to leave his presence. And she said that the joy was overwhelming. I think I really would like to find that. But that, that, that takes time. We can't just do it once and then think, oh, give up. Thomas Keating, who is a Roman Catholic monk, said silence is God's first language. Everything else is a poor translation. So just some considerations about the practice. So just some practical things. Just to say, this is not just for introverts. If you're introverted, in other words, you quite like quiet and silence of being on your own, um, you will find this easier. But it is for everyone. It is meant for be, to be for extroverts and introverts. And if you say to yourself, I'm finding this difficult because I find my mind is too distracted, then the problem isn't the silence. The problem is that you're too distracted. And you have to ask yourself the question, why am I too distracted? Do I have too many things open? Have I got too many open doors? Do I need to shut a few doors? Do I need to say, I can't do everything. I need to make this a priority. And then in that place of seeking God, asking God, the Holy Spirit, what doors do I need to shut? What do I need to keep open? And often we're distracted because we're on too many things. We're doing too many things. We're doing work. Then we're home and we're on social media and then we're on tv and then we're on this then we're on that and then we're just consumed we've got to push back and say no i need to make a priority on my relationship with god and then fill everything after that he goes first just be honest practically you will feel bored if you sit there in silence you will feel bored you will feel this is a waste of time that's a very normal thing to think you will feel sleepy you might even fall asleep you will get distractions but the discipline is to learn to persevere because you're, you're, you're working a new muscle in a way, a new spiritual muscle. But there will be times of profound awareness of God, maybe just a little bit at the beginning, but it will become more and more. Pete Gregg in his book on how to pray likens the stage of silence and solitude to going to see a film. He said at the beginning, so stage one, is at the start of the film when we're aware of the noise, the film started, but we can hear popcorn, we can hear sweet rappers, we can hear the chatter of people, we can hear mobile phones going off, that sort of thing. But then if the film is good, stage two is that it starts to affect you and you start caring about the characters that are drawn into the emotion. Then in stage three, you're utterly absorbed. If the film is really good, and I don't know whether you've ever, I've definitely been to see films that I've come away profoundly changed in a way or or moved and when I'm watching a film like that I'm so absorbed that there could be someone with popcorn right next to me but I wouldn't even know I'm almost transported to a different place a different reality and he said that's kind of how it can be with God that we're so um, in that place in that zone if you like of being in his presence that we don't even notice our own self we're just it's just him silence means quiet from all noises except um, strangely enough natural noises so if you practice silence and you hear birds 
that's actually really conducive to the to the silence. It really helps actually somehow. Well, I guess creation reflects God, doesn't it? So um, was it saying the psalm, the heavens proclaim the glory of the Lord. So what we see, the natural things around us and the natural things we hear, hear can actually really help. But we do need to find a place that is quiet. There's no good finding a place that's noisy. It won't work. So choose a time that's least noisy. Most people go early morning. Um, find a place that's comfortable. So if you're if you're able to find a place that's comfortable, comfortable chair where you can sit and relax, cup of coffee, cup of tea, whatever. But making sure that there's nothing that distracts you. So if you are in a room that's really cold or in a room that's, and I know that's a problem at the moment, but you need to wrap up. I, I wear, I have like 20 layers on because um, I, I do, I'm lucky enough to have a prayer room, but it is very, very, it was minus three the other day and it was freezing in there. I could, you know, when you can see your own breath type thing, but try to be as comfortable as possible because anything that is uncomfortable will distract you because you need all your focus really. Turn the mobile phone off, of course. Make sure it's nowhere near you. Don't have it in the room with you. Um, and just to reinforce, the idea is not emptying your mind. I'm not going down a sort of an Eastern religious practice like Buddhism or anything like that. This is not emptying your mind. This is filling your mind with God. This is actually contemplating God. It's meditating on God. Um, it's reminding yourself. And so this this is quite helpful. I, I find... I. For instance, I cannot, some people say just sit and start that way and be quiet and all this sort of stuff. But I, I find my mind is too distracted. So I tend to read a psalm or meditate on just a short portion of scripture, uh, such as this morning. I was just meditating on um, uh, Psalm 27. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And I might just think about that for a few moments and just repeat that over and over just to get myself in that place. And I might just ponder about God being my light and God being my salvation and then as I do that I start to quieten and then I would just sit in silence and I just start off practicing maybe 10 minutes something like that and just seeing how far I can go and what happens and then just to remind myself my mind is wandering it's just to say that phrase again you are my light you are my light or just saying to yourself thank you God you're with me and do that even if it feels like you are utterly alone and you're utterly distracted, but you just have to keep practicing and push through. Um, because if, if let's say that this is a vital tool in the Christian life, let's say that, as actually it says in Screwtape Letters elsewhere, that practicing solitude and silence is like the pinnacle of the Christian life. Say that is just the perfect thing about being alone with God, that that's where God wants you to be in that secret place where you and God are just together, where there are no words, but you are meeting him profoundly. Just think if that is going to change you more than anything else, don't you think that the enemy will try and stop, stop you as much as possible? Therefore, distractions are going to come. We're going to have to expect, expect those. So if, if distractions come, try and let them pass. Someone said, Imagine they're like clouds and just let the clouds move on. Um, don't focus on them or, or write them down. If they're sometimes, oh, I forgot to do this. Well, write it on a piece of paper because otherwise your mind will dwell on that. Mm -hmm. Start off easy, 10 minutes of silence, something like that. And just, just to think that frequency is better than duration. So how often I practice it is more important than how long I practice. So it's no good saying I'm going to do two hours or a whole day and do it once and then don't do it again. It's better to do 10 minutes a day, something like that, for a week, and then just see how you go.
And then just the other thing that really, really I find helpful is to look at the sky. I know that sounds a bit odd, but I sometimes go upstairs in the bedroom where I can not look at houses, but I can see the sky. Particularly if it's a beautiful day that really helps or at night where the stars are out. It just helps me remind myself of God's presence because otherwise, if I close my eyes, I have all sorts of pictures come up in my mind, but I find it helpful just meditating or thinking about God when I'm looking at something. And we read in, in Genesis 24 that Isaac, Isaac meditated on God while walking in a field. You know, he didn't have a Bible, did he? He didn't have scriptures or anything like that. He would just pondered on God while he was seeing what was natural around him. And I think nature really helps. And the other thing I made a bit of a joke about is buying some ear defenders. You know, those things you can plonk on your head to cover your ears up so that you don't hear anything. I find that really helpful because our noise, our, our room, room, sorry, our house tends to be a bit noisy. And so I find that can be quite helpful. So I'm just going to pray. I just want to challenge you if you'd like to. We don't push anybody to do anything, but I just want to challenge you to try 10 minutes. And then think of it in terms of if I was going for a run, I'd run for 10 minutes. Then the next day I'd do 15. Then the next day, or I might do 11 minutes and 12 minutes, whatever. Try to increase the duration if you can. But frequency is really important. Getting into a habit of doing it. Finding a time and a place that um, that's most conducive. So I'm just going to pray. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for this discipline. And I just want to pray for all of us that you would help us in the power of your spirit to just be alone with you. I pray the idols of our heart would start to uh, fall away, that our love for you will get deeper and stronger. Our awareness of you will get deeper and stronger. That if we have a sense of, I'm really struggling to connect with you, God, I pray for those people that they would connect with you deeper. I pray for your utter help in this, for we are poor and needy. So we ask you to bend down and to incline your ear and to answer us. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you. Have a good day.